What's up, everyone? I want to tell you about a car that you are going to love. Check it out. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, I love that, available dual wireless charging pads, ensure that you can take on any adventure. So let's say you're ready to take the family on a camping trip or something like that. The Santa Fe is perfect for you. You've got all-wheel drive. You can load everyone up in the third row. It's time to start being adventurous, and you need the right car, and that's the Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. This is Fantasy Football Today from CBS Sports. On his way to the end zone. I'll tell you what, that was a spectacular play. It's time to dominate your fantasy league. What a play! Off to the races! Some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, Heath, and Ben. We are reviewing a mock draft today. We drafted for the first time since January, I believe, except for the sorry, Heath, except for the dynasty drafts that you put together. Great start to the week here. Adam Azer, Heath Cummings, and Jamie Eisenberg. Yeah, but we did do a draft, just a regular uh, redraft league. And TJ Hawkinson up 33 spots from the one we did in January. Mike Davis up eight rounds. Chase Edmonds up 22 picks. Will Fuller down 14 picks. Some of the noteworthy moves that we saw post-free agency. Some of them made sense. Some of them did not. Welcome to the show, everybody. Hope you had a great weekend. Hope you are enjoying March Madness. It's been a lot of fun. We have a brewing controversy involving our March Madness pool. I will tell you about that later. What's up, Heath? Oh, that's exactly what I was hoping that the brewing controversy was going to be about. I didn't want to bring it up for fear of, and I, this is a good job by you uh, of jinxing me, but uh, no, it is, uh, it's been a fun ride so far. Yeah, yeah. All right. Heath's going to, we'll let him brag a little bit later. Good morning, Jamie. Good morning. Hi. Uh, yeah, Jamie and I are on tilt a little bit because we are doing a baseball draft and Chris took our guy. Anyway, back to football here. We did a Twitter poll, so we'll get to the draft. Before we get to the draft, we'll talk about the 17-game season. We'll talk about Sammy Watkins going to the Ravens and what that means for the Ravens, what that means for the Chiefs. But first, interesting Twitter poll. Who are you drafting first in a half PPR league, Ronald Jones or Leonard Fournette? Jamie made it very clear he's going Leonard Fournette. Heath, half PPR, Fournette or Jones? I think you have to go Fournette, and especially in anything that counts catches, just because his role in the passing game was so much bigger than Ronald Jones in the games they played together. I counted 13 games, including the playoffs, where they were both available, and Fournette had 56 targets in those 13 games. That's a huge role in the passing game, and then you look at the way he finished so strong. I mean, in the regular season, they were pretty much only good when one of them was gone but they were both available those last three playoff games and Fournette was just dominant. So I, I don't think you'll see that, but I think there's more potential and in anything where catches count, there's a higher floor for Fournette as well. Okay. So you're both going Fournette. The poll- There's no reason to think that Tampa Bay is going to start with Jones as the primary guy. Okay. Well, just to let you know, the Twitter followers were very split. 51% Ronald Jones, 49% Leonard Fournette. Yeah, and 
you mentioned Heath. They basically were only good when one wasn't there, except for in the playoffs. Uh, that's that's almost exactly right. When one of them was out, I mentioned this on our Friday show, they were elite in terms of what Jones averaged when Fournette was out, what Fournette averaged when Jones was out. wasn't a ton of games, but talking about a top, you know, an average of a top eight running back. When they were in, they both played 10 games together, both healthy. Ronald Jones had two games with more than, uh, with more than four, 13.5 PPR fantasy points, which is what... RB24 averaged, okay? 13.5 PPR fantasy points. Ronald Jones had two games where he scored more than that. Leonard Fournette had two games where he scored more than that. One of them was one in which Ronald Jones got benched uh, for fumbling. So they were really, they were not number two running backs, put it that way. They were at times number three running backs, at times worse than that when they both played. Is that what you think is going to be the case? I'll start with you, Heath. You think that if they're both healthy, on a week-by-week basis, that we are not looking at reliable starters? Borderline starter for Fournette would be my expectation right now. On full PPR, I think he will probably be, if he plays 16 games, a top 20-ish running back. Um, I mean, we don't know exactly what they're going to do, and we don't know. Leonard Fournette's had some fluctuations in his conditioning over the years, so we don't know exactly what's going to show up at the start of the season. Ronald Jones could fumble once, and and Fournette could have a much bigger role, but I think right now you view Fournette as a borderline number two and Jones as a mid-range number three, a decent flex. I'll ask you the same question, Adam, that I asked you on Friday, and Heath, you can answer this. Which backfield, and you can rank them if you want to, is better between Tampa Bay and the Raiders right now? Right, you may rank all four players. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I have right now Jacobs and Fournette back-to-back uh, with Jacobs one spot ahead, but I can't say that confidently Jacobs is going to be better given the current construct of what his team looks like and what the Bucks team looks like. Yeah, I, I don't think I'm quite there on Fournette-Jacobs, but I would definitely go Jacobs-Fournette-Jones-Drake if it was me. Yeah, that's um, why I have but, it right now. But, yeah. I, I mean, again, you look at the offenses – with what has taken place, Tampa Bay's offense is in much better shape. Um, workload, you would hope, is in Jacob's favor, but it's no guarantee now that they brought in Drake. So mm-hmm. I think that's where, where you know, where you got to look at it in terms of like a guy who's coming off of a, a pretty good season and, and where he's, his status is right now in terms of Jacobs. There's, in my mind, very little chance that Josh Jacobs would lose his job to Kenyon Drake, whereas there are no guarantees with the Bucks running backs. Agreed. So that, I think, but, makes Jacobs a little safer. But there's really almost no chance that Josh Jacobs catches 50 passes. And that's not too far from what Leonard Fournette's pace was when he was healthy last year. I thought you said 56 targets? So In what, 13 uh, games. Oh, in 13 games. Okay. Oh, right, yeah, I mean, it's that's a good point, like too. We talked about Adam, you know, full, full offseason now. Full year of the team. You know, I mean, he was... He was brought in learning everything on the fly with a new quarterback and, and everything that the Bucks had to go through. And so... When things finally started to click for them, who was the guy that was doing the the, the heavy lifting in the backfield? It was Fournette. Yeah, I, I think that there's probably going to be an underrated upside with Fournette because there is like a, I don't know, 30% chance that Leonard Fournette this year is the feature back he was every year in Jacksonville now that he knows everything and Ronald Jones is backup. And if that happens, then Fournette's probably a top 10 back. Yeah, I just, I would say that the main reason why Fournette was doing the heavy lifting when it counted was because Ronald Jones missed 
weeks 15 and 16 and then missed the first game of the playoffs. Did he miss the first game of the playoffs or was he just like... He got injured in warm-ups. Right. So I think he took advantage... He had an opportunity to took advantage of it for sure. But I, I don't... You know, like I said, he was inactive late in the year. They went to Ronald Jones. Ronald Jones was their guy. I don't want to keep saying this, say this every show. But I oh, think Bruce it was... Bruce Arians says it every month. Yeah, that's true. I, that's the other thing is like <laughs> Bruce Arians just does not trust Ronald Jones. So to keep that in mind. Okay, moving on, moving on. We have an Apple Podcast mailbag on Thursday. We actually have a lot of questions in the fantasy football at cbsi.com inbox as well. So we're going to have a fun mailbag show on Thursday and also update some projections with Chris and Heath. But that's on Thursday. So get on Apple Podcasts right now. Leave us a five-star review. Ask your question. Help us out, and we'll help you out. And it is still March Madness time, and it's madness time in the sports world in general. You got the NCAA tournament. That's crazy. Uh, But if you're a diehard sports fan, you need to know about every sport, right? And that's where CBS Sports HQ is your streaming answer. Just think about what's on tap this week alone. We've got NFL draft and off-season coverage. We've got opening day. MLB opening day is Thursday. We've got Bellator 255 on Friday. I hope I said that right. We've got golf picks golf i said that right and highlights and of course uh, of course unmatched breaking news coverage so you listen to our show and you know that when there's breaking news we do a podcast well that is like a cbs thing we are all we are the best source for breaking news instant reaction cbs sports hq check it out anytime something breaks if it's fantasy you're going to see dave jamie and heath on cbs sports hq talking about it um but whatever it is so anyway get the cbs sports hq app you can watch on your computer. You can watch on your phone on the CBS Sports app. You can watch on your connected TV like I do. Uh, yeah, anytime I've got some spare time, I'll get the Roku and put on CBS Sports HQ, and you should too. The brewing scandal. I just don't see how this is possible. 890 total entries in our March Madness group, and Heath is an eighth, and he has the highest remaining point total. Shout out to Michael Yaff. Don't know how to pronounce your last name, Y-A-F-F-E. But you are in first place. Yaffy. Yaffy, sure. Yaffy. Yeah. I don't. Okay. Well, I'm going Yaff. Yaffy. Yeah. There's no why there, but there is a why. At the beginning of the word. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I should have known that too, because Y was the letter of the day on Sesame Street the other day. Uh, but Heath's an eighth, so Michael, you have to fend off Heath. Heath, what's your secret? You have the highest remaining point possibility. Well, um, I picked four teams to go to the final four and they didn't lose yet. Hey. And so I think what I figured out this year is that if you can just pick the teams that go to the final four, it really helps your chances um, in doing well. And who did you pick to win the whole thing? Whole shebang. I really went out on a limb and I went with uh, the team that hasn't lost yet this year. Gonzaga. Yeah. I've got them beating Houston in the, uh, in the finals. So I need uh, I need the Zags and Michigan and Baylor and Houston to win next four games. I think they'll all be favored. I feel like if Gonzaga wins, you're going to win because actually more more people ahead of you do not have Gonzaga winning. Michael Yaffe um, has I, Houston winning. I think there's a chance if it's Gonzaga and Baylor that I don't win. Okay, so there's a lot of people that have Gonzaga and Baylor in the championship game. Okay, so right. now what happens with the prizes because Heath can't claim the prizes. Heath, you'd be I, in the podcast league. Congratulations. I have I have been looking through like and you know, we've got a long history of 
the excellent way we've managed the message board and the website for this contest in years past. And I've been looking through the rules and I don't see anything in the rules that says I can't claim the prizes. <laughs> well, you're a CBS employee, oh, yeah. so you can't oh. claim the prizes. Oh, that's right. There are also there are those prizes, not just the podcast league. A second place gets the uh, podcast league spot. I don't know about the car and all those things. Um, I, I don't think that's happening in our bracket. Okay, uh, so more news. We had uh, the wheeling and dealing of San Francisco, Miami, and Philadelphia. We talked about all this on the Friday bonus episode, so if you want to hear about it, I, I want to get make sure we talk about the mock draft today. So just check out the Friday episode. But the Niners are picking third, the Dolphins are picking sixth, and the Eagles are now picking 12th. And, and Jimmy Garoppolo is not being traded. Absolutely not. Never yeah. happening. No way. Right, right. He might, he might end up back on the Patriots. We will see. Uh, Baltimore signed Sammy Watkins. This is a one-year deal worth $6 million, reunited with Greg Roman, who was his offensive coordinator in Buffalo, where Watkins had his best season. Jamie, let's talk about this. And is this a does this have a big impact on Lamar Jackson, Mark Andrews, and Marquise Brown? Um, based on our <clears throat> FFT and five, this you're setting me up because you have some uh Not really. great hazer stats to uh say why Sammy Watkins is bad for everybody on the team. Um, but no, I don't think so. I think Sammy Watkins is a clear upgrade over what they had behind Marquise Brown, you know, Miles Boykin, Devin DuVarnay, uh, Des Bryant, that whole group. Um, but Watkins has to stay healthy. Look, he, he's, he's, he's a better complimentary option for Lamar Jackson to help him improve, but I don't think it's going to hurt or should, uh, negatively, um, sway you on drafting Marquise Brown or drafting, Mark Andrews. If you want to drop Brown a, a spot or two behind maybe somebody else that you like better, I'm fine with that. But I think he's still a uh, borderline starter in non-PPR leagues, a, a number three receiver in, in PPR, and Andrews is still a top five tight end. Wouldn't Brown be worse in PPR? That's what I said. You said? Borderline starter in non-PPR, number three receiver in PPR. Borderline starter meaning what? Number two, Four three, to the top twenty-five. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. Sorry, because because we do so many three receiver leagues. I thought you meant. Yes, I'm three, sorry. Four. Marquise Brown is is a is is a high end number three receiver in non PPR, a firmly entrenched number three receiver in PPR, but this is not going to change how I rank them. All right, I'm coming at you. Marquise Brown has not been a top forty wide receiver per game in either of his two seasons. He has not he's had, had stretches of being better than that. Though. He's had he's had great stretches. But those stretches are very touchdowny. It's not a lot of yards in those stretches. Um, and now I think Sammy Watkins is going to get more than fifty targets if he stays healthy. Yeah, but even if he does, it'll probably get fifty targets. You know, that's the thing. They haven't had a, a, a number three guy get fifty targets in the last two years. They, but they threw last year fifty nine passes to Willie Sneed and Des Bryant. Sammy Watkins has fifty nine targets once in the last three years. <laughs> because I don't see him going over hard. 70 targets. Right. Well, what do you think, Heath? Does this impact anyone in a big way? Is, is it really good for Lamar Jackson? I don't think so. No, I don't. Like, I just don't think Sammy Watkins has a lot, um, a lot left or an ability to stay on the field very often. He might could help a little bit. I, I dropped Marquise Brown and Mark Andrews from 25% target share to 24% target share. Um, I've got Sammy Watkins basically projected for 50 targets. Um, okay. I don't, I don't, and it could be like, maybe he'll revitalize his career here, but I don't, it doesn't, hasn't seemed like he's got a lot left. You got to You have to have him stay healthy. You have to have them throw the ball more. 
you have to have them make a de decided and concerted effort from the coordinator, the coach, and the quarterback to go away from their top two pass catchers, which they don't seem to do when they have other guys on the field. And so this is still a run-heavy team. This is still a guy that hasn't been able to stay on the field. It's just – it's a good signing because they couldn't get anybody else. You know, I mean, everything you heard about the guys that they tried to get, they couldn't get those guys. So, you know, get somebody that has a pedigree, that, you know, has uh, been on winning teams and, you know, has a relationship with the coordinator, and hopefully it works out. I mean, that's just the, the, the nature of where Sammy Watkins is right now in his career. Right. Now, I think we can revisit this conversation if they draft someone, but – I told you on Fantasy Football Today in 5, for those of you who listen, that I was going to make the case that this was bad for Lamar Jackson. The, the case I would make is just that I think Lamar Jackson might be better for fantasy when he is throwing less often and running more. And if they want to make him a thrower, yeah, it could help his passing numbers, but it could hurt his rushing numbers. And uh, that's I want to see him run the ball. I mean, he was so much better late in the year when he threw 20 times per game. He averaged 30 fantasy points per game in the last five games of the season. And he threw 20 passes per game. In his first 10 games, he threw 27 passes per game. It's not exactly apples to apples. I mean, he was much more efficient. His yards per carry went way up. The competition was easier. But it's weird. It just, for any, maybe any other quarterback, I'd want them to add weapons. I kind of want Lamar Jackson just to run the ball all the time. You know, I, it's, I how do you it's guys feel really, about that? It's not a totally unique thing to Lamar Jackson. For, as a rule, pretty much, if you're a mobile quarterback, quarterback rush attempts are worth more than quarterback pass right, attempts. Right, So, and I think like the efficiency thing, you hit on the head. A lot of times when Lamar Jackson throws 20 passes, it's because three of them went for 35-yard touchdowns. And so he just didn't have that many attempts. Um, but I don't think Sammy Watkins is going to really affect the run pass splits of the Baltimore, Baltimore Ravens. Right. Okay. It's also, he's now facing four times, arguably two of the best defenses in the NFL. Cause even though the Steelers lost guys, I don't think they're going to have that much of a drop off and they have the formula to sort of get after him a little bit because of their pass rush and the Browns are getting better by the minute. And so those defense are going to be tough on him. So how will he operate against them? Will he try to be more, Run heavy? Will they try and throw the ball more? More balanced? It's going to be interesting. What I found even more interesting was, you know, Sammy Watkins was a, was a pretty good number three receiver. Not wide receiver, because Kelsey, but number three option for the Chiefs. Uh, the When he was out, the targets for Kelsey and uh, Tyreek Hill were, were really good. So, 2020, five games without Sammy Watkins, not including Week 17 when Patrick Mahomes did not play. Um, Travis Kelsey was on pace for 141 targets. Tyreek Hill was on pace for 163 targets. And a 16-game pace or a 17-game yeah. pace? 16-game pace. <laughs> More on that. You have to adjust the uh, the Azer stats computer. I hate that. I'm not ready for that. Uh, <laughs> Tyreek Hill, yeah. Tyreek Hill getting 10 targets a game. Travis Kelsey on pace for 141 targets. Demarcus Robinson was was... 61 catch. He's on pace for 61 catches, 685 yards, six touchdowns on 74 targets, uh, 20 more targets than Nicole Hardman. That was his pace without Sammy Watkins. And you go back three seasons, they played seven games without Sammy Watkins, including one game where Watkins left after five snaps. And uh, Kelsey was on pace for 162 targets, and Tyreek Hill was on pace for 153 targets. Uh, so, and you see an uptick in production. Demarcus Robinson was fairly productive in that stretch. 
so you did see an uptick in targets from Hill and Kelsey and uh, Demarcus Robinson more relevant. Does that matter to anybody? Well, I mean, again, you know, we're going to find out if it's uh, Demarcus Robinson who came back, stepping up into that role once again, or is this going to be Michael Hardman this time? What about, the, what about think, the Kelsey Hill thing? Do you think they benefit well, from this? I, I mean, or obviously, really? when you're down bodies, you're down bodies that you trust. You're down a guy that you know has made play for, plays for you at times, and as we saw in the postseason for the Chiefs, whenever Sammy Watkins was there, he was awesome. So it makes sense for Mahomes to lean on his top two guys. But, you know, I mean, Andy Reid's certainly going to you know draw up some plays for Hardman and for Robinson, but which of the two will be better now that Watkins is gone? I hope it's Hardman, but I wouldn't be surprised if it was Robinson. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's just hard to move the needle too much because like Kelsey's basically been a nine target per game guy two of the past three seasons for the whole year. Right. Yeah. It's it's more Hill. I mean, if you gave him 160 targets, it wouldn't be a massive increase from what he was on pace. But it'd be pretty significant though. Um, and that would be It'd be enough to make him the number one wide receiver. Well, there you go. All right. More news. 17 game season. How are we feeling about that? Good, bad, like indifferent. What? Like it? Uh, yeah, it's gonna be fun. Gonna be uh, interesting to see how they do the bye weeks. You know, is there gonna be two bye weeks now for each team? And that'll make things a little bit more challenging. Uh, fantasy playoffs now will start in week fifteen. Uh, again, you know, depending on how the bye weeks go, so it's gonna change how uh, plan your vacations. Maybe <laughs> you know, toward the end of the season, end of the year. Um, but in any event, uh, more games is fun. Really hopeful, and I don't know if they will or not, but really hopeful this, like we get, I think the talk is maybe we get rid of one preseason game, and I'm hopeful that means we shift the start of the season forward and not move the end of the season back. I agree. No, they're not getting, they're not going ahead of Labor Day. Well, Labor Day, they don't play on Labor, Labor Day is before the season starts, right? Yeah, that's they're the not going to play before Labor Day. They can play on Labor Day weekend like college does. I doubt they do that. Oh yeah, but like once you get into the new year, I don't. We don't need a regular. They, I, ideally, I think the NFL wants to get to President's Day weekend. Uh, so wait, if they have two bye weeks, that means we're gonna have a nineteen week season. I don't think we're gonna do two bye weeks. Didn't they come out and say that we're not doing that? I haven't seen it. Yeah, I'm not sure. I'll try to find it. Okay. Some more signings. Uh, Minnesota signed cornerback Mackenzie Alexander. He's a former Viking. Now he's back. Defensive tackle Tyson Alualu is back with Pittsburgh. He's he had agreed to a deal with the Jaguars, changed his mind going back to the Steelers to play nose tackle. The Patriots, according to the Athletic, they had really are hell bent on getting a quarterback. So don't uh, assume too much for Cam Newton at this point. Their intent is to trade up for a quarterback or pursue a veteran, someone like Jimmy Garoppolo. Kansas City expected but a he's sign. He's not available. He's not available. Yeah, right. Kansas City expected a sign. Defensive tackle Jaron Reed from the Seahawks to a one-year, seven million dollar deal. San Francisco deal. signed Mohamed Sanu. The Raiders signed Willie Sneed, and the Chiefs re-signed Demarcus Robinson. All of them. Can Sneed played offensive deals. line. I don't think so. I'm gonna say no on that. Probably one of the worst wide receivers to play offensive line. I would guess. All right, we've got. A mock draft to tell you about. Uh, so it was a 12-team PPR league, and we're going to focus a little bit on the free agents. A lot, I guess a lot on the free agents and where they went. They're, the players who were who were impacted by what we've seen over the last couple of weeks, like Clyde Edwards-Elair um, going 19th overall, that, those kinds of things after Damian Williams was released. So, Jamie, I'll give you the first word here. What really stood out to you when you looked at this mock draft? 
Uh, as I said to you on F15.5, you know, the things I was looking for were the free agents and the guys who changed teams and the players who were impacted by free agents joining their teams. So, you know, where did Kenny Galladay go? Where did Will Fuller go? Um, where did the guys who stayed home go? Juju Smith-Schuster, for example, Aaron Jones, you know, he was a, a top 10 uh, overall selection, which is kind of what I expected. Uh, but, you know, guys like Terry McLaurin, who got into quarterback, uh, the Rams receivers by getting Matthew Stafford, you know, things like that. So that's what I was looking for the most. And just to see where the uh, the free agents were ending up in what rounds and what, what selections. Jones went 10th overall, Aaron Jones. This is a three receiver PPR league with a flex. And he was 21st when we drafted in January. So up 10, up 11 spots to 10th overall. The biggest movers I had mentioned sort of at the top of the show, Mike Davis. What did you think of that? Mike Davis, 59th overall, so second to last pick of round five in this 12-team league, and he was just a handcuff in January, so he went. He was up eight rounds. Biggest mover. Uh, Heath, was that a good spot for Mike Davis? It's a couple of rounds earlier than I had him. I was actually, I think I picked right after that and, or right before that, one of the two. And I was really wanting to take David Johnson, but I knew nobody really wanted David Johnson. And when I saw Mike Davis go, I think he went right before I took David Johnson. I felt a lot better about it then. Okay. And TJ Hawkinson was my pick. And he was up 30 spots, I think I said. Uh, 33 spots. So he went 93rd overall in January and 60th overall. I There was a rush for the middling tight end ones, right? Like, I felt like most of them went earlier than they had in the past draft. Well, let's see. I don't what, I don't like the word middling. I'm pretty excited about Hawkinson. This was my personal favorite pick on my team. I didn't think yeah, I, I, I was going to get Yeah, I took Dallas Goddard like five picks later. I was thrilled about that as well. And then that was Goddard and Hawkinson were the last tight ends I was probably going to take until one of my last picks. Um, so with the 12th pick in the draft, I knew I, – I thought – I didn't think I was going to get him when I passed over. Uh, was Andrews on the board? When did Andrews go? No, Andrews was gone. Was I like know he was three. gone at 60, but when did when did he go? He went 39th. Right, so I had the... Uh, yeah, okay, sorry. Getting thrown off. Okay, no, I did pass over Andrews at the 3-4 turn, and Heath, you took him two picks later. I was very happy that I was able to get Hawkinson 60th overall. You took Andrews 39th overall. I don't think there was a tight end in between the two. So, do you, no, there wasn't. So, do you feel okay with Andrews 39th overall? Oh, yeah, I I do. I think, and, like, he might have not been the top player on the board if, after the small ding to, that we gave him for the, I gave him for the uh, Sammy Watkins signing. But, no, I I still think he belongs in that top four and that there is a distinction between those guys and the the group that I referred to as middling, but maybe I should have said ascending. Yeah, yeah I think, I, I think nice he's, he's, I think assuming that, you know, Goddard is in the spot that he's in, depending on what the Eagles do at wide receiver, I think Andrews, Hawkinson, and Goddard are closer together than Andrews is to the top three guys. Your response, Heath? Remember, this is PPR. Right. No, I, I, that's, I don't, like, I don't know, I just, I don't have them in that way. I've got him in, the, in him in the top four tier just because we've seen him give us that type of like that 200 point tight end season. Yeah. I mean, he's just touchdown dependent. So if he doesn't score, you're going to be disappointed. If he scores like he did two years ago, you'll be fine. 
All right. Uh, so other other players even, even last year he was better than Hawkinson on a, or considerably better on per game. Oh, basis, right? I I would have expected him to be better than Hawkinson, yeah. but Hawkinson now has the receiving court to himself. All right. Well, let, let me see. Uh, Hawkinson Andrew, scored five more points in two more games. Andrews was at twelve point two. Hawkinson was at eleven. That's a big difference. In between them was Robert Tunyon and Logan Thomas and CJ sure. Uzama. If I was drafting by based on last year's stats. I would have taken, <laughs> I would have taken those numbers, but I'm not drafting based on those stats from the year ago. Right. So, but you think the loss of Marvin Jones? Because Galladay barely played last year. It was just Marvin Jones. I think everything is factoring into TJ Hawkinson's favor. Again, this is the setup that we look for and we love. You know, so. Andrews is better. Andrews should be drafted ahead of Hawkinson. Andrews should not be drafted this far ahead of Hawkinson in this format. Okay. Uh, Chris Carson up four picks from 40th in January to 36th. I'll just go with the guys with dramatic drops. Josh Jacobs. He was drafted 20th in our PPR draft in in January. He was drafted 38th overall. And by the way, we did this before, uh, as Heath said, we did this before the Sammy Watkins signing. We also did this before the Leonard Fournette re-signing. So keep that in mind. But that has nothing to do with Josh Jacobs. He was down 18 spots. He went two picks ahead of David Montgomery, who was 40th overall. Um, and yeah, I don't know. Maybe Montgomery also lost right. this offseason. Was this was before this must have been after the Damian Williams news? Yes. Yeah. So what did you think of that? So who would you rather have? Josh Jacobs or David Montgomery? I'll take Jacobs. I'd rather have Montgomery. All right, I'm going to make you guys give reasons. Heath, why Jacobs over Montgomery? <laughs> um, I think we already had the concern about Tariq Cohen. And then the Damian Williams thing maybe won't matter a whole lot. But I do think that currently right now, the Raiders are going to have a better offense than the Bears are. And, we've, and I think that there's a little bit more upside for Jacobs. And Jamie? Your rebuttal? I mean, I don't really want either of these two guys, to be honest with you, but um, <laughs> okay. I, I've, I've seen Montgomery's ceiling, and I see where he can get to. Uh, Jacobs has yet to reach a ceiling. I don't know if he's ever going to get there on this team. So Drake is better by himself, I think, than Tariq Cohen and Damian Williams at this point. I think he's going to cut into Jess Jacobs enough that it's going to make it a, a bad situation all the way around. Drake, by the end of the season, can end up being the best running back for the Raiders. And... The running back who went just before them was Chris Carson. I think we're all cool with Carson ahead of Jacobs and Montgomery. And the running back who went after them is Melvin Gordon. He went 46th overall. I would take Gordon over both. And that's up 17 spots. He's another big riser here. Melvin Gordon, 46th overall. When we drafted in January, he went 63rd overall. It's it's just weird. I never know if you're supposed to do these like assuming, oh, they're going to add someone or or just assuming what, what's on paper now. You know, so I don't know. Do you think Melvin Gordon is going to be a feature back for Denver? And and he, Jamie said he would take Melvin Gordon over Montgomery and Jacobs. Heath, what about you? I don't think I would. I think I've got him pretty closely projected to what his workload was last year. He's kind of reached, not, not kind of, he's, he's reached the age where we're just, we can see the cliff coming and it might not happen in the age 28 season maybe it won't happen until 29 or 30 but it's it's close enough that i'm not going to project a big increase in workload over what he's had the last well that last year for sure on a per game basis but he hasn't been a 250 touch guy since 2017 because of injuries and other circumstances 
Okay, let's talk about Kenny Galladay. He went 54th overall. <clears throat> that was down 15 spots from when he went 39th overall back in January. And Galladay was part of a, a part of the draft that we really need to talk about a little bit more because is this going to shape your strategy? The round five wide receivers, arguably the best value picks in the draft. The entire round is pretty crazy. This is picks uh, 49 through 60. Josh Allen, DJ Moore, CD Lamb, Tyler Lockett, Cooper Cup, Kenny Galladay, Brandon Ayuk, Deontay Johnson, Kyler Murray, Brandon Cooks, Mike Davis, and TJ Hawkinson. That is a really sexy round. Um, Jamie, what do you think about Galladay being in that range now? Down, what did I say, 15 picks, I think? Uh, yeah, 54th overall. It's the right spot for him. I, I do appreciate uh, Deontay Johnson falling to me with the eighth pick in this round. I was thrilled about that. I'm sure Heath was thrilled with Cooks uh, two picks later. Um, this is uh, this is the range he's going to go in. You know, this is the uh, hopefully Daniel Jones doesn't ruin Kenny Galladay's spot, um, but I don't think he's going to go much further ahead of this group. Like you can make a case over Cup and over Lockett based on what those guys either showed you last year or what has been added to, for example, the Rams receiving core. But you know, Galladay, if he's healthy and if Daniel Jones connects with him, he's going to be. A, a great steal in this spot, but he also could be, you know, a little overdrafted if Daniel Jones and Kenny Galladay don't get on the same page right away and Galladay gets hurt again. Heath, are there any wide receivers that went ahead of Kenny Galladay that you would have put behind Galladay? So that would be DJ Moore, CD Lamb, Tyler Lockett, Cooper Cup, just in this round. Yeah, I think I've got more like, and I'm not, I, most of these guys, this is exactly where I have them. I think I have more Galladay, Deontay Johnson, and Brandon Cooks all as fifth round picks. And I don't have them in this order, right? Like Jamie said, I've got Cooks and Johnson at the top of that list. Um, but I do have more just behind Robbie Anderson. And I actually, in full PPR, have Lamb behind him as well. Just have, I have a hard time with everybody healthy in Dallas projecting enough targets to get CD Lamb up to a good level on PPR. So Lamb would probably be the one that went ahead of him that I I wouldn't. Okay. And by the way, when you have Cooks number one, you're assuming Deshaun Watson is his quarterback? Well, number one I in that group. still group. have Deshaun Watson as his quarterback, yes. Okay. Uh, Jamie, when you took Deontay Johnson, first of all, Juju Smith-Schuster going around ahead of Deontay Johnson. Juju Smith-Schuster, 45th overall. Too early? A little bit. I mean, I think Juju's more in this group than he is the group ahead. When you took Deontay Johnson, I don't know if you know this off the top of your head, that was your fifth-round pick. What did you have on your team at that point? Well, I started with three running backs. I started with Eckler, Akers, and Antonio Gibson, and then my first wide receiver was Amari Cooper. So I was looking wide receiver here. I was looking at Deontay Johnson. I was looking at Ayuk. I thought he would still be there. Uh, ben Trager had a good pick there of him. Um, I like Deontay better, but Ayuk is in that range. Uh, Cooks was in consideration as well, um, and I was uh, uh, giving some consideration to the quarterbacks at that point also. But uh, I was hoping for one of those receivers, but I have Deontay Johnson as, uh, as as a starter in PPR. And so to get those three backs, Cooper and Deontay Johnson, with my first five picks, I was thrilled how that worked out. Yeah, and then you got Dallas Goddard with your sixth pick. I think we'll break down our teams a little bit more later, but if you're just wondering, hey, what would my team look like if I started with three running backs? You only have to start two, but one can obviously be a flex. Um, well, Amari Cooper, Deontay Johnson as your number one and two wide receivers is pretty good, and, and the rounds four and five wide receivers, it's just the way it worked out here anyway, it was just loaded. Um, 
And quarterback, if you want to go quarterback in that range, you can have your pick of just about anyone. Uh, not not going to be the Mahomes. position is loaded. Wide receiver is loaded. You know, so it, it if you don't want to necessarily load up at receiver early, it's not bad. It's not a it's not a bad strategy to get you know three top twelve, top fifteen wide receivers. But you know, you're able to sort of go off that position a little bit more as we see now year over year and still get away, come back to it and, and get good talent. Can I tell you who I, I think maybe the best value right now is, and tell me what you guys think about it, Tyler Boyd, 75th yep. overall. I don't understand it. He was on pace for a, for 107 catches, 1,111 yards, and five touchdowns with a healthy Joe Burrow before the Washington game. So, uh, not, not to interrupt you, Adam, yeah. but just for full disclosure. Uh, so, I was drafting for that team. It's, uh, if you're looking at the results, it's Jack Capitorto. He's one of our producers. It was March Madness. He was a little slammed. Um, NBA trade deadline day, I think, is when we drafted as well. So his uh, three receivers, I believe, are A.J. Brown, C.D. Lamb, and Tyler Boyd. And I love that with how it worked out for him. Well, who are his running backs? Dalvin Cook, Miles. Uh, he's got Dalvin Cook, Melvin Gordon, and I think maybe Miles Gaskin or something. No, else no, he has Dalvin Cook, Miles Sanders, and Melvin Gordon. Yeah, with those three receivers, it's pretty good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. His quarterback is Ryan Tannehill. So that's where he got in trouble because uh, picking right before him was uh, another one of our producers, Andrew Bomber, and I waited. Uh, Joe Burrow was there. He already had Aaron Rodgers, and so they picked back to back. He took Burrow as a second quarterback, and so I he got Ryan Tannehill, which isn't awful, but obviously it's not as good as what Burrow's upside could be. <laughs> Wait till round 14. You're playing with fire there at quarterback. Yeah, yep. That was the one <laughs> thing. When It's funny. Like Whenever I draft for somebody and I send them their teams, the first thing, obviously, you see is a quarterback. And so he was like, ugh, I hate it. I was like, just look. <laughs> yeah, that's true. All right, by the way, I, I will put a link to the article that has all these draft results in the episode description. I should have mentioned that earlier. I'm sorry. But if you want to follow along, there's a link to this draft in the uh, in the article. Or, sorry, in the episode description. Okay, uh, just a few more things here. DJ Chark. He went 60th overall in January. He went 78th overall. One pick ahead of Curtis Samuel, who was up 30 picks from January. And... Two picks ahead, or Curtis Samuel was two picks ahead of Chase Claypool. In fact, we have this run from 78 to 83 overall of four wide receivers who were affected in some way by free agency. DJ Chark, you add Marvin Jones. Curtis Samuel, new team. Chase Claypool, Juju surprisingly comes back. Robbie Anderson, you lose a wide receiver there. So Chark, 78. Curtis Samuel, 79. Claypool, 81. Robbie Anderson, 83. Heath, who's your favorite? How would you rank them? Chark, Samuel, Claypool, Anderson. You know, you don't have to ask who my favorite is in this group. Robbie Anderson's a part of this group. Um, yeah, I, I I have Claypool and Chark basically right in this range. Um, I think I have Chark a little bit ahead of this range, Claypool a little bit behind. Um, but I would actually go Robbie Anderson, Curtis Samuel, DJ Chark, Claypool. Chark's the one I feel the least comfortable about because he has shown us some things that make him look like, you know, I mean, if he gets a great quarterback – he could be a true number one wide receiver, but there's also some pretty significant risk there, it feels like. Jamie, how about you? Strong thoughts at all on Chark, Samuel, Claypool, Anderson, all going within six picks? 
I, again, I, I think this is the range for him. I, I took Sutton in the middle of that, you know, so if you just want to add another receiver into the conversation, but um, you know, Claypool is, uh, you know, a guy that had so much upside before Juju came back. I don't know if he still has the same upside, but I don't know if he if he loses that much just because he's different than the other two guys. You know, so if Ben is going to, you know, challenge down the field a little bit more, this feels like the guy that's going to win the most as a result of that. Uh, but Samuel, you know, um, hopefully he continues to build off what he did last year. Anderson has the opportunity probably to lead this group in targets. Chark might have the highest ceiling of the of the bunch, as he said. You know, Trevor Lawrence coming in. Hopefully, this is the guy he leans on the most. How much better is Tyler Boyd, seventy fifth overall, than this group, which began with Chark at seventy eighth overall? Is it a big difference in PPR? If they stay as they are currently rostered, yes, on their NFL teams, because I mean, Boyd and Higgins are the guys there. Are they going to add somebody in the draft? You know, there was uh, they lost two guys. You know, it's not just AJ Green; they lost John Ross too. You know, so. Uh, for whatever those guys contributed last year, you know, now Higgins and, and Boyd get that much more opportunities. Yeah, I'd, re- I'd definitely rather have Boyd than Chark and Claypool and PPR. I- I've got him in the same range as Robbie Anderson. Corey Davis went 92nd overall. In January, he went 65th overall. Is he better or worse now than he was in January? Corey Davis. I think it remains to be seen. TBD, because we don't know yeah. the quarterback there. I, I had more hope. Um, I may have been the one that took him in January. That seems too way too high. But uh, no, I, I had more hope before he went to the Jets. But there's there's things that could change that. Okay. I'm going to read you the first two rounds of the draft, just in case you're curious. Then we're going to take a break. And when we come back, we'll kind of recap our teams and see how things unfolded and give you some some strategy thoughts. So 12-team PPR, three receivers, and a flex. McCaffrey, Kamara, Dalvin Cook, Derrick Henry, Saquon Barkley, five, Kelsey, six, Jonathan Taylor, Austin Eckler, Devontae Adams, Aaron Jones, Ezekiel Elliott, Tyreek Hill. That's round one. Round two, Nick Chubb, Stephon Diggs, DeAndre Hopkins, James Robinson, Cam Akers, George Kittle, Clyde Edwards-Elair, Darren Waller, Joe Mixon, Miles Sanders, Michael Thomas, and Justin Jefferson. That is your top 24. We're going to take a break when we come back. How did our teams look at the end of the draft? What strategies, if any, did we follow? What lessons did we learn? That's up next on Fantasy Football Today. The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at newbalance.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. 
Very excited to be talking to you on this Monday, but I'm more excited for Thursday. That is opening day. Baseball is back. If you need any last-minute fantasy baseball prep, I have two drafts this week. I have one tonight, one on Wednesday. Make sure you listen to Fantasy Baseball Today in 5. That's with Frank Stample, Scott White, and Chris Towers. It's the best way to stay up to date on the biggest news items in fantasy baseball in five minutes or less. Download and follow Fantasy Baseball Today in 5 anywhere you listen to this podcast. So, Jamie, did you have any strategies that you were trying for in this draft? I mean, you're, you did go three running backs. That's pretty eye-opening there. Any takeaways from that? I think I've done that in all three mock drafts that we've done so far. Um, you know, if it works out this way every time, I'm going to do it every time. So, you know, the, I got three of my top 15 running backs in the first three rounds. And then I just, you know, when I got to Antonio Gibson in round three, um, and I saw the receivers that were left on the board. And so at the time when I took Gibson... And, and again, I'm not saying Gibson's better than these guys. I just think for building your team, this is, this is the approach that I like. Like I, Allen Robinson, Terry McLaurin, those are better options, but I don't know if they necessarily fit with how my roster construction is going to be. So Robinson, McLaurin, uh, Cooper, who I ended up taking, Mike Evans, Adam Thielen, Robert Woods, you know, Juju, those are all the receivers that went next. And so I just looked at it and said, okay, if I take Gibson here, I still have the option opportunity, you know, picking in, in, uh, in 10 more picks that I can still get one of those guys or T Higgins or DJ Moore or CD lamb or all guys that I like, and I think are all kind of in a similar range. So that's why I did that. So who's your, so, okay, let's take a look at your full lineup then. So Um, my first three picks again were Eckler, Akers, Gibson. Right. And those are your two running backs in your flex, Mm -hmm. Justin Herbert at quarterback, Amari Cooper, Deontay Johnson, Cortland Sutton at wide receiver, Dallas Goddard at tight end, and the Dolphins DST. This is a very good team. I don't see any weaknesses, Heath. Do you? I was preparing my answer for my own team, so I didn't hear anything you said about Jamie's team. Justin Herbert, Akers, Eckler, uh, Gibson at flex, Cooper, Deontay Johnson, Cortland Sutton at wide receiver, Dallas Goddard at tight end. No, it's a very good team. It is good, yeah. Do we like the bench? Josh Reynolds, that's a nice one. Nicole Hardman, Darnell Mooney. Would you, by any chance, would you consider now um, uh, Demarcus Robinson instead of Miko Hardman? I think you could project Demarcus Robinson to score more points, but there's still hope that Miko Hardman comes into his potential. Like He's still at that stage of his career where it's possible. So I, I wouldn't actually draft Robinson over Hardman, no. This is a floor ceiling situation. The floor is right now for Robinson, but the ceiling, if if Hardman is used properly, can be a potential starting fantasy wide receiver. That would be at the expense of Hill and Kelsey if that happens, but not to a detriment to them that you'd be avoiding them. But I think if Hardman hits, you're going to be thrilled with having Hardman on your team. So like when, whenever I have a situation like this, Adam, when I, I feel comfortable with my starting lineup and I was really comfortable with my starting lineup, I'm taking swings at defenses with my bench options, especially at a position in this case for me was receiver that I needed maybe some home run potential because if Sutton is lost in the mix coming off his ACL, Deontay Johnson is, you know, lost in the mix and Ben is terrible. Uh, Cooper obviously loses to lamb and Gallup and, you know, Darwin back healthy, you know, there's, there's flaws with all three of those guys, which is, you know, obviously based on how I built my team, that's, that's something I expect, but you know, I'm trying to backfill that with some guys that can maybe be home run plays, in which case Mooney could be uh, that guy based on what he showed in flashes as a rookie and hopefully Dalton makes him better. 
Uh, Hardman can be that guy if Sammy Watkins' uh, absence opens up that opportunity for him. Reynolds now going to the Titans, taking over Corey Davis's role. If that happens and he has a similar type of season, you know, all three of those guys have the chance to be borderline starting options, uh, if not higher. Okay, and Heath, you had the 10th pick. You took Aaron Jones in the first round. Did you have any objectives when you went in? Uh, yeah, I always map out a six-part plan that I'm going to follow regardless of what the rest of the league does. Right. And so step one was that I wanted to be balanced. And No, I, <laughs> I, um, I felt pretty confident I was going to end up with Patrick Mahomes in round three. Um, and I did. And I guess the strategy that I took to start was that I have a quarterback and tight end in the first four picks. And generally speaking, that makes it a little bit more difficult to build depth uh, slash talent at both running back and wide receiver. And it was a challenge again, but if Patrick Mahomes is what he's been the past three years and he's four points better than every other quarterback and Mark Andrews is four points better than most tight ends, then you can be a little bit worse at running back and wide receiver. Yeah, his team is, is interesting. It's not as balanced, I guess. I think that's fair to say as Jamie's because he did take Mahomes and Andrews in rounds three and four, but it's Mahomes, Aaron Jones, David Johnson, uh, Andrews at tight end. Wide receivers are DeAndre Hopkins, Brandon Cooks, and T.Y. Hilton. And Raheem Mostert is your flex. You like it? I like it. I don't love it. Um, it's There were a couple of times where I thought I was going to get somebody coming back at the turn, and R.J. took them. Um, there were a couple times where I probably guessed the wrong guy that I could get to come back to me. But um, I like the – there's some upside on the bench. Uh, I like the combination of Michael Gallup and Jamison Crowder because I think Crowder gives you a pretty solid wide receiver three-floor and Gallup is could be one injury away from being a great top 20 wide receiver. So I, I like the way I kind of covered that. The, the thing that will probably come down to is David Johnson and Raheem Mostert. Like if those guys are actually starting running backs for 12 to 15 games, then this team is going to be really good. The thing I think that we need to probably hammer home a little bit more that we don't do necessarily as great a job of is like Heath has great cornerstones. If everybody's healthy, Mahomes is, is, is a stud. Andrews has the potential to be a stud, but he's in that group of guys that we talked about, you know, whether he's close to the top three or closer to five and six, he's right there. Hopkins is a top four receiver and Aaron Jones. Again, if they're all healthy, those guys are, are, are stars. And so, you know, th this is, you know, may, maybe extends out a little bit, you know, to, you know, like, like, like you said, I have more balance maybe, but, um, maybe I have one or two more safer options, but like those are going to be guys that are never benched on his team. And that's, yeah. I think, you know, how you should approach when you're building your, your team is like, how many guys are you never going to bench in an ideal situation? And then what do you do along with that? Like, what chances do you take? What, what swings do you take at high upside players? You know, so like you can argue, obviously David Johnson and Raheem Mostert, are they high upside players? I mean, that that's, that's debatable clearly. And, and I think Heath would recognize that. Um, but if he has number one quarterback, maybe number – well, I mean, Aaron Jones has been a number two running back. Num number two running back, Hopkins has been a number one receiver, and, and Andrews has been a top three tight end. Well, Aaron, Jones is, hit, Aaron Jones has been a number one running spot. back. The number Pretty two running back. Oh, the number two. He's been top five yes. two years in a row, yeah. Uh, right, and it's, you know, it's kind of interesting, Jamie, because 
You know, you you took Antonio Gibson 32nd overall. Heath took Patrick Mahomes 34th overall. And I mean, based on what you were saying, I mean, should you just have taken Mahomes or are you that confident in Antonio Gibson that he's going to be a cornerstone? I'm I'm that confident in Antonio Gibson, but it's also then, you know, you're also looking at position scarcity. And so like, you know, I I I look at the way I, you know, again, my my approach to this was, okay, if these guys all hit these three guys, which, you know, running back is so volatile. Um, but if they all hit, they could all be number one running backs, you know? And so that's kind of the way I was looking at it. Like I, I don't anticipate benching those guys, which is why I didn't really focus on a lot of depth at running back compared to wide receiver based on how I built my team. Okay. And I had the 12th pick and took Tyree kill and Nick Chubb. My, my objective in most drafts is going to be get a top seven quarterback and a top five tight end. If I can't get a top seven quarterback, I'd like a top nine quarterback. Seven for me is probably Russell Wilson. And then after that, it'd be Herbert and Rogers. Um, so those are the guys I, I want. I could see by the time the season comes around, including Jalen Hurts in there, including Taysom Hill, if he's the starter. I don't, I don't know if it'll be any deeper than that, but that's if, a lot of players. If you're drafting right now, are you including Deshaun Watson in that? Yes. Uh, did I forget someone? Because Watson. No. Right. No, I was just I was just curious. Yeah. I, yes, it's a hard one. It's a tricky situation to navigate. But yes, I would include Deshaun Watson in there. So I'd like a top six or seven quarterback. I'd like a mobile guy. If I can't get one of those, Herbert and Rogers, my backup. And I'd like a top five tight end. If I can't get a top five, five would be Hawkinson. Uh, a Goddard would be six for me. I was able to pull this off with my fifth and sixth round picks with picks. Uh, right, yeah, 60 and 61, Lamar Jackson and TJ Hawkinson. And that really made me feel a lot better about my team. So Lamar Jackson's my quarterback, Nick Chubb and Chris Carson at running back, TJ Hawkinson at tight end, Tyree Kill, Chris Godwin at wide receiver. I don't love Odell Beckham as my number three receiver, but, you know, it could be worse. And Tariq Cohen is my flex. But isn't that the perfect scenario to have him? You could say that. I Let me see who went around him. I think I just wanted other guys that went right before. Right before him. Oh, yeah. This was right after the Chark, Samuel, Sutton, Claypool, Robbie Anderson group. I would have preferred Claypool and Sutton. Um, So I thought wide receiver got a little bit thin there. That was the end of round seven. That's fine. And Tariq Cohen, 85th overall, is my flex. Okay. Uh, But, yeah, I mean, it's the price you pay when you go with Lamar Jackson, TJ Hawkinson with picks 60 and 61. I like my team overall with... uh, Carson and Chubb at running back, Tyreek Hill, Chris Godwin, Jackson, Hawkinson, holding it down. Not bad. Somehow I ended up with the Falcons DST. Uh, that was an auto pick. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, there you go. And Oh, and I took some year two wide receivers because you know me. I have Denzel Mims and Jalen Rager. One of them will probably be a top five player based on year two wide receivers. And that is our Rager mock was draft. A great pick. Oh, thank you. Appreciate it. That's our mock draft. Check out the link and the write-up on our website on cbssports.com slash fantasy. That's going to do it for today's show. We will read some emails tomorrow. We will read a bunch of them on Thursday, plus your Apple podcast questions, so get those reviews in. Thanks to Heath and Jamie and Ben Schrager. I'm Adam. Talk to you tomorrow on Fantasy Football Today. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. 
I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 